Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Today we are going to start off our UNCOVER series. UNCOVER is an acronym. It stands for Understanding the Needs, Challenges, Opportunities, Vision, and Emerging Roles in the Horse Community. So our first episode is going to start with a dear friend of mine. His name is Ashani Hamilton. I first met him while gaining experience for veterinary school by riding with uh, Dr. Kennedy, who, who hopefully we'll have on the podcast as well. Dr. Kennedy is a Black veterinarian here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he gets a lot of students together to get experience with him in his small ruminant mobile practice. Just a little bit about Ashani. He was born in Jamaica, moved to Brooklyn at the age of 11. In high school, he studied animal science at Abraham Lincoln High School and matriculated to Southern Illinois University. His dream of becoming a veterinarian fueled his interest in becoming more comfortable with horses. So in doing that, he pursued the equestrian team at his university. His experience with horses spans from combined training to jumping and fox hunting and even reproductive physiology and research. He's such a valuable resource and I can't wait to feature him in our Uncover interview series. He is such a great person and I hope that you guys learn a little bit more about him and his different perspective of the Black horsemanship community. You are now listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast with your hosts, Aubriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. So welcome. Let's start off with where you are right now and, and what led you to where you are right now in West Virginia. Okay. So no, close to West Virginia, but not Virginia. Um, I'm actually in Paint Bank, Virginia. I probably shouldn't give my location, but we'll pass. Um, I am currently running a 165 acre farm. And I actually got this opportunity. I was in graduate school. I was very dissatisfied with my life. Um, I realized I didn't really have any real life skills as, um, you know, as an, as a teen, you know, as an adult. And I was 20, I'm 24 years old. I'd never paid taxes a day in my life. And I, that's actually how I met Abriana. Like we met because I wanted to go to vet school. I've always wanted to go and I still want to go, but I don't want to go right now. I kind of really want to develop myself as an individual. So I got the opportunity to start my business, um, Farm Ambassadors. And basically what we're trying to do is help other young people do exactly this and inspire them to be a part of agriculture and to kind of have a stake in their food for the future. So it's one of those where I have a lot of people that I'm working with, but sometimes somebody has to be the domino. So I guess I'm biting the bullet for like my generation or my group of people, because I want, I, I have to figure out all the ins and outs of the, of the situation, especially running the company myself mm-hmm. um, and, you know, contributing to it. So right now I live on a 165 acre farm in, in Paintback, Virginia. I have goats, cows, um, chickens, a dog who's right here in front of me causing mischief. Um, and cats and everything. So 
I'm really excited about it. I actually just started this farm in um, October. So that everything is already happening is actually a big deal. Um, so I'm currently speaking more in my speaking engagements because of the job. And I'm, so I'm really excited to do this podcast to benefit you guys, but also benefit my career and inspire other young people to do it as well. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. So dope. Yes, I know. I love him so much. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you got into horses specifically and kind of your history and your background okay. kind of in the equine world. The horses adventure for me began when I was a child. When I was young, I lived in Jamaica. I grew up in Jamaica until I was the age of 11. And ever since I was a child, um, Jamaica is run by the British system. So you know, there was no Western in Jamaica. There was only English. And for me, it was, I would see people riding horses and I would watch competitions on TV. I was very obsessed with it. You know, I watched a lot of Animal Planet, of course. Um, and I've always wanted to do it, but never really got a chance to do it until I went to college when I was 17. And I, because I wanted, I wanted to go to vet school, I told myself, well, I haven't been around horses in a long time, not until my family farm when I was 11. And when I moved to New York after um, I lived in Jamaica, we tried to get me into horseback riding, but it was too expensive. So I wasn't able to do that. And um, basically, um, I, I still, when I was 17, I went to, I decided to join the equestrian team. I said, you know what, you know, Ashan, you've always wanted to do this in your life. So why not try now? You're going to college, you're fresh start in your life. So why not? So I remember I'm, I was telling Abriana, I'm one of those people that, I can't just join a group. Like I want to like lead a group or be involved in it. So I remember it was even before my first meeting, I went to Dunabet course trials in Carbondale, Illinois. And it was my first time I've ever seen like it's up close like that, like jumping and dressage, like the whole nine. And it blew my mind and it really inspired me like, okay, like this is what you're going to do. And I actually bought my first pair of breeches from a lady in the blue trailer. So hail her up, hail her up. She's a dope lady and she's legendary. And I remember the story so vividly because um, I never bought breeches before. You know, I didn't know, like, I was like, okay, I have to have breeches. And she, I told her, I was like, do you have any men's sizes? And she said, she's like, young man, she's like, most of the, most of the, the men, like, they just wear the women's stuff because they're the, they're the same sizes. So she's like, these are the same. So basically my first pair of breeches are women's breeches. And they fit me still to this day, which I'm happy about, but... <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm pretty glad about the experience. And then I started riding at that barn. Um, and then it basically just blossomed into so much, so much more. So I'm happy I took that leap because my life would be in a completely different place if I didn't decide to jump out of that shell and like really decide to start riding horses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. So what do you think is the most important lesson that you learned from your involvement with horses? it would have to be confidence. The confidence in terms of riding horses is something that I explain to people. People are like, I, like, you don't even know why you're so obsessed. Like no one ever gets it. And you realize it's like when you're around the horses, like all your problems vanish away. All of them kind of just kind of go away. When, I remember that was a very common theme. Like when we would go to the barn, it would just go away. But for me, I remember the first time I rode Latin. It was when my best friend Kaylee, she said, you know, I want you to ride Latin in Dynabek. And I rode him. And this horse is honest to offense. He, you know, he will go over any jump you point him at. 
it was just about your confidence level. He's not going to do something that you, he knows that you don't want to do. And you know how horses are. They know when you don't want to do something. So mm-hmm. I remember I, I jumped him and he refused the fence and everybody was just stunned. Everybody was stunned because Lat's never done that. So literally Kaylee got on her horse with like, um, I think it was rain boots and she jumped the horse over the fence. I couldn't. And that's when my coach turned to me um, and she said, you're the problem. So you need to figure out what it is in your brain that's telling you that you can't do this. Mm-hmm. And for me, the day that I like overcame that, that battle, that struggle within myself to say like, you have to be confident when you ride, like when you ride, like the horses, they, they want to work with you, but they will take advantage of you. And I think we all know this. So it's like, you have to kind of get that, that strong part of your brain back there to be, nah, you ain't getting away with this time. Yeah. And for me, it was like, riding riding horses it definitely built my confidence in my entire life like mm-hmm. I started to take more chances things because I mean I rode any horse anybody gave me people always wondered like how did you you know how did you advance so quickly and I would compete and everything in IHSA and it was because like I wanted I loved it you know and I said I couldn't just join things like I'm a very competitive person I'm a very competitive person and like horseback riding to me, it was never a competition with anybody else. It was all about bettering yourself as a rider every day. And with that, like it just kept on building more and more and more confidence. Like till this day, I never in a million years would have thought that like the little boy from Jamaica that dreamt he could be a jumper was, would become the Jamaican jumper. So for me, it was all about confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I want to touch on in a later podcast, but I completely agree with having that something inside of you, like the horses can feel, you know, no matter what, you know, even just approaching a horse, if you approach them kind of wary, they're going to look at you like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's, something's about to get and me. As you, and as you can tell, as you can tell them, yeah, for me, it's like, because I have ADD, like one of the major things I had to get over, it was like, I had to learn to calm myself down mm-hmm. as a person when I'm around horses, because I'm telling you, I would walk in the house in the barn, like, like, Hey, and then like the horses be like, why is he jumping so hard? You know, and you're, just like, you're like, Ooh, calm down. Ashawn. You're like, relax, relax. And that was till this day. I remember my, my coach would tell me, she's like, you look like Mardi Gras on your horse. I was always a very active bodily rider. So I had to like break that habit really hard. I think it was great how you said, you know, how horses will bring um, your confidence out and they'll make you aware of like how you're feeling. Because like you said, if you don't get it together, they either take advantage of you or they'll work work with you. Mm -hmm. And that is so true (laughs) because I've seen horses like one of my students, um, Ardent, he'll do something. And I'm like, if I get on him right now, he'll do it but you're on them and you have to make him do it. Like, I'm not going to keep stopping to do this. You have to make that decision in your mind and in your heart that this is what you want him to do and he's going to do it. Yeah, I think it was, it was in my first original lessons, my coach, and I was coached by Les Chevelle um, in um, Jill O'Donohue, Jill and Marco O'Donohue in um, Carbon, Illinois. Those are my coaches. And those people, they treated me like family my whole time. But I remember my coach, I love her because she reminds me of all of my great coaches and teachers. Like the people that like, they want you to win. So they're going to, they're going to keep pushing you. So I remember when I would hit a horse, like with a crop and you know, school horses, like they're lazy. Mm -hmm. And she would be like, if you hit him and he didn't do anything different, you need to hit him harder because 
he's playing with you pretty much, you know? And it was that something as a passive aggressive, like not passive aggressive person, but like a passive person. Like I'm not one to be, you know, to come out and fight somebody right away. I, that was something I had to develop my hand. Like I wasn't hurting the horse. Like I have to move a different way. Like it's all about your energy and like they can feel your energy inside of you. So I remember like I wouldn't even need to like use my crop most of the time when I rode because what would happen was I would literally just like get on the horse. I would hold the crop. But because that energy in my body that said, you're going, mm-hmm. you see? And then like they would move and you realize that in your life, it has to kind of be that way too. Like you kind of, sometimes we lose ourselves and we have to keep telling ourselves like we have to keep going no matter what, yeah. no matter what. Do you feel like being coached, you know, having somebody on the ground watching you, correcting you, do you feel like that helped you kind of in the long run be more receptive to criticism or you know, just any kind of improvement, suggestions, kind of in every other aspect of your life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've always been somebody that I value the opinions of people that care about me, people that put energy into me. I've always taken very seriously what they said. My coach, I remember sometimes she'd be like, you look like a sack of potatoes on your horse because I have bad posture. And for me, it's like a lot of people, they think that, you know, oh, that would be mean for her to say. And I was like, no, like, for me, it's like she's saying what is happening and I, that's how I receive it. So it's all about, you have to understand that sometimes like your coach is pushing you farther than you want to go because, you know, she knows you can do it. She knows you can overcome that bubble. And for me, it was like, I loved having her and her husband because it was, and it wasn't just them, it was her husband and also her, her, two, her two daughters as well, because mm-hmm. they ride um, as well. And for me, it was like having people there on the ground, like, I mean, there's a lot of people that understand they're like how did you improve so quickly and i said because i'm one of those people even to this day how i'm on this farm is when people tell me things i take it seriously i look at what they say i try to oh is this true or not true you know Mm -hmm. and then you make a decision of am i going to implement this in my life so am i going to implement this in my writing like am i going to stop being like with the latin situation with jumping that horse like i had to tell myself like you're going over this jump you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to, you're not going to punk out today. So with writing, it was like every single, I remember posting, <laughs> I remember posting on, I lived in a dorm room and I would post on the staircases to get my, to get like my calf muscles to start developing better. I'm, I was very serious. Okay. I like to win. I told you. <laughs> I, I'm very competitive. I like to win. So like I did, I would do a lot of squats as well. So everything, everybody, all the advice that people gave me to ride, I always took it because it either worked or it didn't work. So just take it and try it. If it works for you, it works for you. Like to like how, how I canter, the scoop the ice cream, that's the only thing that ever taught me how to canter. Scoop the ice cream. I was a terrible can, like terrible at a canter. And then scoop the ice cream was like the only thing I could do that was like, okay, I can do it now a little bit better. A little better. Yeah. My being taught how to canter in my lessons, it, um, was very inappropriate for a seven-year-old. <laughs> um, so we know. Yeah. On that. I'm happy I was seven. The ice cream is good. That's a, a much better mm-hmm. analogy than what I had. <laughs> oh, smooth the ice cream. Than, uh, oh, you, you got the the guys the girl the guys the chat and the, the canner. You're the girl. Is that what you got? Or is the other way around? See, I don't even know. I just know how to scoop the ice cream. That's all I mean by that. <laughs> well, good. I might use that. I might use that now. You can use that in your lessons too, Caitlin. <laughs> Honestly, it works. Like, yeah. Honestly, it helps. 
Right. Yeah, when you said that, it made sense. And I was like, that is literally what it is. <laughs> ice cream, literally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it was it was to the point where like I would have to tell myself in my brain. And the thing about my coach was, I remember my hands were always an issue. Like I would always have them like uneven, like one up here, one down here. And she, I would have to ride with my thumbs connected. And again, <laughs> people are like, oh, like that's crazy. I'm like, no, 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 no. She knows me. She knows how I ride. Because the thing about a coach is, and this is why I feel like it's so important as a rider to record yourself as much time as you possibly can while you're riding, because you do not see yourself. None of us sees ourselves. Like, this is why I feel like everyone needs someone there to watch it. And it's the same thing, like me and Kaylee, like she would ride a horse and I would watch her and be like, fix your hands. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, you don't always have to have a coach, but you need somebody around you that's going to be like, they know who you are. But the thing is, some people feel like when, when, when someone's pointing out your flaws, when you're, especially when you're riding, they're judging you. But it's like, if you have the right people around you, Kaylee wanted me to be a better rider. Jill wanted me to be a better rider. So she's going to tell me things to make me a better rider. Every, right. Again, we all shift, especially a beginner rider, like sit, sit one bounce. That was a, I'll never forget in my first competition, I rode, I did walk trot at Missouri State University. I'll never forget this. And I was nervous, nervous, nervous. And I didn't know what a diagonal was. So I'm over here. You went to this arena. And, and you didn't know what a diagonal was? And I've just posted. I've just it, it was one of those where she taught me how to canter. She taught me like what a lead was, but she forgot to teach me what a diagonal was. And I think maybe in my in my lessons I got it and like she didn't like I didn't know what I got it, you know? It's one of those. So she never brought it up. Cause um she never really brought it up. So I did it and um it was it was just so much fun because it was like, and again, how did I find out I was on the wrong diagonal? It was our hunt team coach. She basically, after I competed, she's like, do you know you're on the wrong diagonal the whole, whole way around the entire arena? And I was like, no, because I didn't place at all. And again, I told you, competitive. I like to win. I want to know what to do to like better my position the next time, you know? Like, I like it. It's fun. And for me, it was like that whole situation of like, she showed me videos. I mean, that's when I got into watching like professionals compete. Because it was like, you look at them, you look at their posture, you look at how they're posting or how they're cantering. And then you go back to the, the drawing board in practice and you, you do it yourself. You know, you go, I watch so much YouTube videos on how to canter, man, like I was trying to get it. I was trying to get it because it was difficult for me. What advice do you have for anyone who is wanting to learn about, um, improve themselves with horses, um, get a horse? What, what advice do you have since you kind of got into it a little bit later on in life? Uh, what, what advice do you have for them? Yeah. Um, I think the number one advice in terms of when you're working with horses, period, is respect. I've met horses, and that's why I love, and I told you, Brianna, like, I love how you train Maestro because he's very respectful with, like, personal space. That's, like, one of the big things I learned from a lot of my coaches. Like, you can't have a horse, like, all over you all the time. Like, they're going to start getting complacent with you. And, like, they're big animals. Like, they can hurt you accidentally. And I think that anybody's working with horses, like, you know, you have to respect the horse. Now, in terms of owning a horse, I had the opportunity, actually, um, Kate, me, my best friend Kaylee, she, she started her business, Southern Illinois Field Hunters, and she trains fox hunting horses. And we bought a horse. Um, it was the first horse I ever bought. His name was Leo. And I got so lucky with that horse. That was the first off the track thoroughbred I ever rode. And he wasn't like batshit crazy, you know? So I was so happy. Like, I was like, Jesus, like, Jesus picked this. And... <laughs> 
the one thing I'd always say in terms of owning a horse, owning a horse is just like, you have to be understand that this animal is in your care. They're expensive to keep, mm-hmm. but it's one of those where like, you have to do whatever it takes if you want to keep them. And you have to make sure that like their well-being comes before the competition. It comes before everything. Like there's so many situations that occur just from owning that one horse that you never even thought, but that responsibility is now there. And you have to make sure that while you're doing that, like the horse is taken care of at all times. And it's just like, if you want to go out in horses, it's a horse world is fun. Horse people are a little crazy, but it's fun, crazy. but Jesus crazy. So it's like, we're all kind of loony a little bit. And, but it's the fun time about it. It's just like, all of us kind of do it for the horses, like go to the competitions and meet the people. And it's always a fun time. But the biggest thing is just, if you want to do it, you have to push yourself to like better yourself in the horse world. And if you're doing it for fun, that's perfectly fine. You know what I mean? Like you're doing it, but like, you should always want to try to be better than you were yesterday because then your horse gets better. He gets, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like a continuous cycle of growth. You don't have to grow for anybody else but yourself. But it's important, I feel like, to grow in horseback riding because it feels like whatever goal that is out there, you need to go for it, you know? Even if it's just to have, like, just a really, really, really good, like, one show horse that you can give on to your kids, like, when they're five, you know? You perfect that horse just for your children. Because we all know them first horses are little, they're a little hard to come by, them perfect ones. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put your kid on the, the, the crazy-ass pony. I've ridden some crazy-ass ponies that have thrown me off of jumps, like onto jumps at shows. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's what happens when you catch ride. That's what happens when, like, you want to ride more. You just, whoever has a horse, you're like, oh, it looks sane. I'll ride it. It's okay. <laughs> I'll ride it. But then I realized that was my favorite part about IHSA was we picked horses out of a hat. So like you would be in your show attire and then like you would walk up to the judge and just pick it out of a hat. And that was the horse you're riding for the day. And I mean, <laughs> I've had some incidences while competing, like the horse, like they bring me in the ring and the horse just takes the fuck off in a walk track class cantering. Nah, take you out and give you a new horse. That's happened to me before. I was so frazzled. Because <laughs> again, you're nervous. The butterflies are coming, you know, but it was a good time. It was a good time. That's so dope that you do shows. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I, I, again, it, it was, I wanted to do it because it was like, if I'm going to do this, like, I want to have a really, really good time doing this. And I want, I wanted something to show for it. And I know myself because I'm competitive, I will try harder. I will go out of my way to make sure that I'm better because it's, it's not representing me alone now. Now I'm representing my university mm-hmm. and I have been able to compete um on in zones in regionals like to represent my team on walk trot because there's beauty when you start from the bottom like i started from the very bottom scratch like i was telling abriana like my first lesson like as a man and you're riding horses and you're posting and you don't know how to post it's very hurtful day one very very hurtful so for me it was like i had to continuously get better and better and like the shows were just a great way of displaying that and being able to represent my school and the people that, you know, that trained me, that helped me get to where I was at. It was an, it was an awesome honor to do that for me. I know it's going to be hard to imagine, but what do you think, or how do you think your life will be different if you did not have those experience with your horses? I, I don't, I, I do not, I, I'm a hundred percent sure that I would not be this confident within myself now. I think that 
even in my darkest days when I was in graduate school, I lived off of the memories of like Latin, of crossing that cross country course in Dunnebeck, you know, that feeling of like, you did it. You know what I mean? Like it was, it took months to get there, but you did it. And like, I think that's the one thing that like I realized that horses did for me. Like I remember, I, I remember when I was like in my depression and I went back on Facebook and I started looking at like my old posts mm-hmm. of some of like the pictures I would post. And like, I mean, I was, I was just happy, like really, really, really happy, motivational. Like it was, and I was like, this is who you once were when you rode. So what I did was, I started writing again when I was in school. Mm-hmm. I like cha- I decided I was like Ashani. Like there's a barn seven minutes down the road. Like try your best to find out if you can go there for a lesson once a week and just try to get back to who you once were. And it helped. Like it really, really helped. Like being able to ride again, like in school, especially when you like in a rut. Like it was able to go back to something that I know that I love to do. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that birthed this podcast in the first place. Because you know I'm in small animal medicine and it's great you know it pays the bills but i was reaching that place where i was just like you know it's about to be springtime like you know horse people you get that itch and you're like god it's six o'clock the sun's still out the sun's still out i need to be doing something with this is why you gotta start fox hunting this is why you gotta start fox hunting so you can hunt so you can hunt in the winter time on your horse like, and you can be out there still the whole year round. Well, you know, the I whole love year so much, but I don't like being cold. So I'm, I'm just going to pass. The beauty of riding your horses in the cold is you actually, you're actually very warm. You know that. Like, even in the cold snow days, like, you're warm. Like, especially if you're galloping, fox hunting, like, them on, you on like a good, like, 15 minute gallop, you're hot as hell. You get hot. Okay. Well, you're hot. Well, you know. Maybe next winter we'll, we'll work funny. that out. You're like, you're like, I'm not foxing you, Shani. Stop trying to tell me to fox. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll be, live it we'll be the first uh, Tennessee walking horse team fox hunting. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's possible. Actually, the, the one of the ladies that I fox hunted with, she, she wrote, she had two of them. Oh. It's all about comfort. Like, it's all about like wherever you feel comfortable. A lot of really older people would fox hunt. A lot of older people with fox hunt, so it, it worked yeah, out. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be up looking at fox hunting videos. <laughs> yeah, well, the ones that I've seen, they all one moment. Badly. Like they all fall in ditches and stuff. No, that's the ones in Ireland. The ones in Ireland, they're a bit like advanced, upper level, like way up there kind of deal. So those ones, like. I mean, that's like a dream pretty much to go fox hunting in Ireland. Like, I feel like that's like a, a, like, you know, like when you get married, like you should go there with your significant other, like hope if they're a horse person, you never know. But that's something I definitely want to do is fox hunt, like with the professional fox hunts. Again, it's all about being bold. I think, and I think that was the biggest thing that horses taught me and riding taught me is like, I never thought that I would be able to jump a a three foot fence. You know, I would never thought that I would be able to do, um, just anything really and then you jump I'll never forget the first time I jumped a horse I um it was Cody I remember it was a paint horse Cody and I was I was going through trot poles in my lesson and she put up the pole and literally this horse is like a perfect angel and I got up on my you know my my two-point position and but you know how the most important lesson in riding is keep your heels down well I was nervous so I was on my tippy toes this horse and catapulted me and I tore his mane out on the way and I landed like in front of him. 
like on my very first time jumping. And it was one of those where like, my, you know, you dust off yourself, but I felt so bad because I didn't know that, he, that, you know, it wasn't like hurting him because I tore his mane out. So I was over there like a little frazzled. And she was like, he's fine. Like, you know, get back on the horse. Like, he'll be perfect. And then I got over the jump, but I'll never forget that day because again, like the little boy in me was just like, I can't believe I just jumped the horse for the first time. Like, like dreams do come true. Like it's real. Like if you, if you go out and you try to put yourself in a place to get it done, like it'll work, it'll, you know, it'll happen. It'll happen. So I'm very, very appreciative of that. How I started riding when I was younger, I know that um, it was a lesson with like two or three girls. And this girl, she had her own horse, had her own tack. You know, she was a boarder and she was just doing a lesson with me. And I had like the oldest horse, like sound, old, you know, for sure horse. And I remember that girl jumping and doing the same thing. But we were so small, like she came off and was hanging under the horse, hanging from the reins. And I knew, I knew then I was like, I'm going to do my best not to ever hit the ground ever. I didn't fall off my own horse or a horse until I was 23. Wow. Yeah. And that was because I, I was excited. I got a new saddle and I didn't even like tighten it up all the way. And we went carrying it on and he was just like, and that was my fault, like, even the horse's fault. <laughs> Caitlin, do you have any questions for Mr. Ashani? I like questions. You guys can ask me more questions. I like the question. <laughs> what has been, I guess, one of your favorite shows? Or I, I think, um, I don't know. I think it would have to be Dunnebeck. It would have to be Dunnebeck just for the fact that, like, it was the first time in my life where I saw, like, what horses and, like, riders were capable of doing. Like, I remember watching, like, the prelim jumps with, like, the jump in the water. And then, like, it was just, like, how is this, like, possible? You know, like, and then, and then I remember that year, the, 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 the semester after that, um, my coach's daughter, Megan O'Donoghue, she competed in Rolex Kentucky for, like, the very first time in her life. And, like, she placed, like, she was, like, the, like, the top, like, junior there that year. She was, like, 11th place out of, like, God knows how many riders. And I remember watching her on my phone in my dorm room, school screaming screaming and it was um it was just one of those moments where like you felt so connected to the sports and i mean i i'm one of those people where like i i like to jump i like to fox hunt but i i'll ride western very heavily i prefer i like to, i prefer like working with farm animals on horseback like so like i would do like western like i've always like been like a catch rider so like if you had a horse i didn't care what if, if it was a vaulter i probably would have vaulted like, and now I'm thinking, like, when I get to, like, I get a little bit more advanced in my riding, I want to do polo. I want to, like, figure out how that works out. But but I remember every show I went to, I always had my own hotel room because there's no purpling. And um, it was just one of those where, like, I kind of liked being the odd one out. Um, I was definitely the only black guy. And yeah, I was about to say, it was, I was definitely, like, strange sometimes. It's just, it's just it, I don't know, like, it was a part of the terrain. Like, I've always been the only black guy in a lot of places in my life. Mm-hmm. So I was never, like, afraid to, like, me in front of anybody else and like in Jamaica I, I I told people I was like people talk about racism and you know and horseback riding and I was like one thing I love about horseback riding it if especially with like um eventing and jumping 
it, it doesn't matter who your mother was, who your horse was, who his father was. Like, as long as you're good, you're good. Like, the results will show. And I think that's one of my favorite parts about, like, eventing was the fact that it didn't matter about who my, what my name was or what I looked like. It's all about how I competed. And for me, it was like, then talent can always outshine anything. It's all about how well you put your horse together or how well you, 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 you trained well. You know, the preparations that you made, like, they were, they were, sh- were seen. So for me, it was like being the only black guy, like I was a unicorn and it was so nice. Like, that's why I love social media because it was, I remember on Instagram, especially on Instagram, when like I would start tagging like male equestrian, like you start finding people that like, you know, they're black and they ride. You're just like, oh my God, like I'm not the only one out there and it feels good. It feels good. And you start, they always follow us. We always follow each other back, which is awesome. And this yeah. is what I'm like, I can't wait to like, I want to reach out to some of those people and like talk to them about what you guys are doing because I think it's so important for people to see that. I think a lot of people, when they see horses, they think of just one color of person. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the narrative that has to change in the world. Like I remember a lot of um, kids from um, Saudi Arabia would ride on our team because again, that's a sport for them, you know? and I think that especially now, a lot of men aren't riding in the lower levels. Like it's mostly in the higher levels that they're that they're at. And I think of like, what? Well, what's going to happen in a couple of years when you know those riders phase out? Like it's only going to be women. And it's like, as a man, like I don't mind, but at the same time, it's like I still think that representation is so important. Um, especially in sport in a sport like this where, where like it's not it has not this sport has nothing to do with the color your skin this sport has to do with just where you live and you know the opportunities that you have and if horses are involved in your life you know so I, I think that's the exciting part about what you guys are doing I think that it's so I've never heard of anybody trying to do it um and there's so many like I feel like you guys can reach so many riders like at the top of their sport, like dressage riders. I know this one, I think one of her since Anna Buffini, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mavis Spencer, she's a big one too. And it's like, these people exist. And I feel like it's time for everyone to know that they exist. Thank you for listening to the first interview in our Uncover interview series. Stay tuned for part two, where Ashani drops more gems about black horsemanship and equestrian life. Until next time.